What's going on, guys? Uh, welcome to episode two of Rants and Revelations with Alex Rudinger. Uh, after the first podcast I did, uh, I really came to quite enjoy that title. I was thinking more about it, and I was like, Rants and Revelations. And the more I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's it. I like it. Just because it's like kind of silly, but kind of serious. And I don't know. I just think it's got a good vibe. Uh, but anyway, so it is uh, the 13th of October. Uh, what day of the week is it? Uh, it's Monday. That's what it is. And uh, yeah, uh, I have some things I want to talk to you all about that I was thinking about since last night. Uh, first off, I don't know if any of you guys out there are NBA fans like I am, but I want to give a huge shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers for winning the uh, championship. That was a great series. I, a lot better than I thought it would be if you like sports. Um, you know, basically everyone expected the Lakers to just destroy the Miami Heat. Um, and the Miami Heat put up a surprisingly good fight. Mad respect to them too. Um, Jimmy Butler uh, is quite a talent and uh, really you know, carried that team. They have a lot of heart, and I'm actually excited to see where they go um, in general, you know, seeing where that team goes in the in the coming years. But for now, uh, as a huge LeBron James fan, um, which is something I'm going to talk about and relate to some music stuff, actually, uh, I'm very glad to see him win his fourth championship. There are also a lot of guys on that team that I was really happy to see win. Um, I mean, Anthony Davis, obviously, um, I was really excited to win him, see, see him win his first one. And, uh, Dwight Howard, uh, who I used to not really like as a player. I, I felt like he grew immensely and really fit in his role on the Lakers team, uh, incredibly well. And then there's just like a lot of really strange narratives or strange to me, where like, you know, Danny Green, uh, he was a Toronto Raptor last year. He won a championship with them last year, uh, got traded, or I guess he was a free agent, actually. So he he signed with the Lakers and then won another championship with them, you know, like back to back. And JaVel McGee was a Golden State Warrior, and now he's a Laker, and he won with them as well. And uh, there's just a lot of weird stuff like that seeing rajon rondo win with lebron was very bizarre uh but very cool and uh you know with the passing of kobe bryant this year um i don't know it just felt right for the lakers to win and uh you know i i don't really have like one team that i root for i do pr pretty much always root for whatever team lebron's on um, because I've been a LeBron James fan for a long time now, really basically ever since he, uh, left Miami and went back to Cleveland at that point, I was like, okay, I don't even care what team he's on. Uh, I'm just going to root for him now. And, uh, then after he left Cleveland again, I kind of, instead of just being a Cavs fan at this point, I kind of just follow the whole league. It's the only sport I pay any attention to really. Um, and I follow an outrageous amount of players and the stats, you know, I, I don't watch, uh, regular season games a whole lot, uh, just because I don't have time. Um, but I do keep up with it. You know, there are some YouTube channels, uh, where 
I don't even know how they do it so fast. I swear it's like 10 minutes after a game ends, I get on YouTube and there's the highlighted video. And these videos are like not like a normal highlight reel. It's like uh, they basically, whoever makes them, I guess the NBA might do some, I think, but then other people do them as well. Um, they basically take every play of the game where there's a score or something cool, like a block or a steal, you know, whatever. And uh, they just cut it all in, and, and they're always right around 10 minutes. So it's basically all the exciting stuff of a game uh, cut together into 10 minutes. And, I mean, it's not quite the same as watching a game, but if you don't have time to to watch a game every day or whatever, it's a great way to keep up with it and see what's going on and... Uh, it, it doesn't take up nearly as much time. But then during the playoffs, I tend to uh, watch a lot more. And obviously in the finals, I watch uh, pr I, I watch pretty much all of those games. Um, I didn't see much of game one. Uh, I was playing drums. But uh, at any rate, one of the things this got me thinking about um, is as soon as, you know, LeBron won that championship and, and re really even before he won last night, in the days prior to it, uh, a lot of people started discussing, um, I mean, this has been an argument forever, but like, who's the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? And uh, it, it came up and it's been all over, you know, all of these news sources that do sports news on, on YouTube. I've been seeing tons of videos and headlines, uh, video titles about it. Uh, coming up now because now that he's won another championship some people are like oh he's definitely the greatest now and then other people are you know arguing and it's this big thing and uh i was thinking about it because i you know michael jordan his heyday you know it was going on when i was alive but i was an infant basically you know um, or in the early, early years of my life. So I wasn't really around to fully appreciate it. Uh, but I've obviously read and watched, uh, videos from that time. And, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix is really phenomenal. Even if you're not a sports fan, I highly recommend watching it. Um, because it's insane. You know, the, the rise to stardom that he had in a time before the internet, is absolutely insane and uh it's remarkable really and it's a really well done documentary but anyway even though i didn't quite live through it i think that i can kind of get the full scope of how phenomenal and how great he must have been and was um but with that said um for me you know i grew up you know, with LeBron as like the player of my generation. And, uh, I personally was always kind of like, yeah, LeBron's the goat, you know, at least after he won the championship in 2016 with the Cavaliers, I was like, man, that's it. Like he's the guy. But yesterday, last night, I found myself thinking about it and I, I ended up going down this, like, I, I probably should have done this podcast last night because I was thinking through this whole thing in my head and I was thinking about, um, you know, why basically. And I promise to all you music people out there, it's kind of going to come full circle here to music. Um, but I was thinking about, okay, let me try to remove myself 
and be a bit more objective and look at both players. And why is it that I feel that LeBron James is the greatest of all time? And I thought about it and I realized uh, that for me personally, the biggest thing about LeBron um, kind of being the greatest uh, goes a lot further than basketball. I mean, if you're not a sports fan, I highly recommend you look into what happened uh, with LeBron James and how his career started, because it's like Michael Jordan, quite remarkable. It's different though, because Michael Jordan, you know, no one really knew who he was at first, and then all of a sudden he exploded. Whereas LeBron James was kind of, uh, you know, the first superstar born from this new age of the internet and and everything. And um, I mean, not even really quite. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think like the year he got drafted early 2000s, the internet was probably in its infancy, really, um, to an extent anyway. But he was hyped as hell in high school. I mean, his high school basketball games were being broadcast on ESPN. He was put on uh, the, the cover of a Sports Illustrated magazine when he was like in high school. And, you know, basically the expectation for him was higher than any expectation, uh, you know, of anyone in any sport ever. And somehow he has not only lived up to that expectation, but he has exceeded it. And it's remarkable to me how someone does not crumble under that pressure. But I was thinking further about that, and I was like, okay, I think what it is for me with LeBron is that he is a source of inspiration for me, not only because of how good he is at his craft, but also because of how he handles himself 90% of the rest of the time. And for anyone out there that is a sports fan and is listening to this and already like foaming at the mouth of, from anger and just saying like, oh, well, you, he isn't perfect. You're right. He's not perfect. He's made some mistakes. I think the entire, uh, you know, the decision and him moving to Miami and the way he handled that was a mistake. And there are surely some other things too. That is the human condition. No one is absolutely perfect. People make mistakes. Um, but overall, if I look at how he has uh, handled the media and how he has affected culture and in general, the attitude he has, he's this massive team player. That is is where I look at him as the goat, and that for me is 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 what makes him the greatest in combination uh, with everything he's done on the floor of the court. And I don't know, you know, it's it's remarkable to me because I'm just so fascinated by his ability and how he's been able to remain so composed through all of it. And uh, I was thinking about drums and while I was thinking about this and I was kind of thinking like, you know, that oftentimes kind of applies to musicians, you know, like I have now had the privilege to work with a lot of different uh, musicians that I really, really looked up to um, 
from a very young age. I've met them or I'm friends with them or I've legitimately worked with them and played on an album with them. Like getting to do that Conquering Dystopia album with uh, Jeff, Jeff Loomis, Alex Webster and Keith Marrow. I mean, you guys, I don't think anyone out there can really wrap their mind around how big of a Nevermore fan I was. Uh, Nevermore is, was Jeff Loomis's band um, from like the 90s to like, uh, I guess, 2010 around there. Um, I love all of their albums. Um, personally, I mean, uh, uh, This Godless Endeavor is my favorite, but everything. I mean, Dead Heart in a Dead World, Enemies of Reality, Dreaming Neon Black. Uh, you know, I didn't really get into the very last one, The Obsidian Conspiracy, but... Um, but even going back further than that, um, the self-titled In Memory, uh, The Politics of Ecstasy, I mean, I was a huge fan of Nevermore. And then I got asked to play on this album with him, and it meant the world to me. And thankfully, uh, Jeff Loomis is an outrageously nice human being. Uh, it just made me think even more of him after getting to know him and, and working with him. But... Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had that experience with everyone that I really looked up to that I got to know. And uh, there have been, I'm not going to name any names, there's there's no point, and I'm not really trying to like start drama or anything, but there are people that I've met or worked with that I looked up to uh, from a musical perspective, and then I met them or got to know them, and I was like, man, this guy is not that cool. And that kind of ruins them for me. It not only ruins them, but it's very hard for me to separate myself after that to listening to their music and still being able to get into it the same way. Um, and that's an unfortunate thing. But I guess the point I'm trying to make here um, is that for me, as soon as I learn that someone is like that, as soon as I learn that someone is kind of an asshole or that their ego is just outrageous... Uh, it doesn't matter to me anymore how good they are. I don't care anymore, you know, and, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in, in relation to basketball is, is this fine line of being humble, but having enough of an ego to have confidence to do your job, uh, well, and obviously you know, athletes and performers are a little bit different, but there definitely are some parallels. And when I look at LeBron James, that's one thing that I find really remarkable is, is like how well he is able to remain humble. Um, you know, he definitely clearly has somewhat of an ego, but he also, you know, it comes with the territory, but for the most part, he's pretty damn humble for, you know, an absolute superstar, at least, you know, the way he presents himself is. And I think there's something to be said for that. You know, I, I kind of think, you know, to be really successful in sports or anything, you know, you have to kind of have that ego. You have to think that you're really good, you know, because that is what gives you the confidence to go out there and do it. Um, but if you go too hard in that direction, uh, it can really be detrimental, you know, it can 
kind of knock you back down a notch in the way I was talking about with some of these artists that I listened to and then got to know, you know, and then I got to know the real them and I couldn't stand their personality and it ruined their music for me. It's like, there is a point where it's not going to do you any favors to be like that. And no matter what you do. And, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I wanted to just bring it up because I find it to be very interesting, um, that that line is so fine, you know, in, in every, uh, everything, you know, whatever people are passionate about, that line is, is very fine. You know, you have to have, uh, the ego and the confidence to, to do what you do, but you can't push it too much. And I think I realized that that's why for me, um, LeBron was kind of the goat because, yeah, he is remarkable, but he remains pretty level. And whenever I've seen interviews, even recent um, or or anything with Michael Jordan, he was kind of a dick, it seemed like, you know, at times anyway, he was kind of an asshole. And, um, you know, when I hear him talk about himself, there's a part in the documentary where he kind of like calls himself God. And then he's kind of like, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And a bunch of the players are like, he's not kidding. You know, and and it's like, I guess, I mean, maybe he was just kidding. Who knows? But I don't know. When I hear something like that from from an athlete like that, I immediately was just like, oh, dude, like, listen, you know, yeah, you're insane. You're remarkable. Especially at that time, there was no question that he was the absolute best there ever was. But it's like, at the end of the day, you're still a fucking human being, you know? And, you know, that doesn't put you above any other human being. So it's like, it's good to have that confidence. But like, when I, when I hear someone talk like that with that kind of ego, it, it just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. And I've never gotten that impression uh, from LeBron, you know? Uh, and, and I think that's really what kind of did it for me. That's what made me, when I was thinking through that whole thing uh, last night, I was like, yeah, I guess that kind of is why I think he's the greatest. I mean, objectively, um, I guess, you know, Jordan has more rings, but, uh, you know, I think, I also think the league was different back then. I think there were aspects of it that were much harder, but then at the same time, I feel like there's a lot more talent in the league now. It's, it's even more competitive in a way in terms of the general talent. I'm not saying there wasn't other incredibly talented athletes from Michael Jordan's era, because there definitely were. But it seems like now, you know, because of Michael Jordan and some of the other phenomenal players from that time, it's almost like they inspired the next generation. And there were so many more people. Basketball became so much more visible because of Michael Jordan that there were more people that got into it, more people that have tried to get into the NBA, and as a result, there is more talent in the NBA. I mean, I can think of so many stars in the NBA that can score the ball, you know? So to me, the fact that, um, you know, there are less rings for LeBron than, than Jordan is kind of like, it's not an invalid argument. It's just kind of a subjective argument to me. I think there are a lot of variables. So when, when I say LeBron is the GOAT, I mean he's the GOAT to me. You know, he was the player of my generation. I love everything else about how he has handled his life and his career. You know, he's got three children with his high school sweetheart. 
He's been very clearly faithful to her. He's very well-spoken. He's done a lot for uh, where he's from. You know, he opened a school. <laughs> I mean, it's insane, like some of the stuff he's done to give back to his community. And, and all of that combined with his overall um, personality and everything, I'm just like, how is this guy, how has he been able to do all of this, you know, and, and remain as level-headed as he seems? It's really remarkable to me. Um, but all that said, if somebody else came up to me and said, well, I think Michael Jordan is the GOAT, I would say, yeah, fair enough. You know, like to me, they're just both kind of the GOAT. It's just that for me, because of the timing really of when I was born and what I grew up with um, and what matters to me in terms of my values um, as well as athletic ability, um, you know, it's LeBron, but I guess, you know, the argument could be made for <laughs> like, well, we're not talking about personality. We're talking about, um, you know, the pure athletic ability, who's the best. And honestly, I don't know, you know, at that point, but to me, I, I don't, I'm not sure why, but I, I guess it's just the human condition. Like I, I don't, I don't like to separate the two because, to me, it's the personality that, you know, makes the player, you know, like, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that even made sense. Hopefully it does. Maybe it doesn't. But yeah, so at any rate, um, the same absolutely applies uh, to music and, and the music industry, you know, like, I've met some guys, um, drummers even, that are unbelievable but then i i i get to know them and i'm like man dude you are really being not cool right now just <laughs> the way you're presenting yourself like i don't know you know there's there gets to be an ego to things where that vibe you know it's like dude what are i don't really understand entirely i guess to some extent Perhaps it's like a, an insecurity, you know, and they feel the need to overcompensate or something. But that kind of thing really uh, kills it for me. Um, you know, at that point, when I meet someone and they rub me that way, I'm kind of like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't care how good you ever get at your instrument. You know, I, I no longer have any interest, you know. Um, and maybe that's not how some of you all view things and that's okay. But to me, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I guess drums and music are such a, uh, in, ingrained in, in my personality that it's hard for me to like separate those things for other people. And I'm not sure that might not be fair. You know, part of the reason I wanted to do these podcasts is because I say some of these thoughts that I have out loud. And I want to be very clear that uh, none of what I say here is ever going to be uh, necessarily right or wrong. It's just my opinion, you know, and believe it or not, as odd as it sounds, it, it kind of helps me to think some of this stuff out loud. And I hope that if I continue to do these things that uh, other people will write in or email me and, you know, tell me their thoughts on it. Um, and I will happily share those with you all as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really, like I said, I don't want to name any names, but I just, 
there have been certain guys that have definitely rubbed me that way. And, you know, it's interesting too, because, uh, I have at times struggled a lot with having enough confidence, um, you, you know, to even do my job well. I know that might sound insane, but particularly on tour, like I get very anxious or I did historically, I, I would say that I still get quite a lot of anxiety, but nowadays I kind of know what that feels like and I can compensate for it. And it's also one of those things that it's, it's usually like at the beginning of a tour, like the first couple of shows, I will be really anxious. And then almost instantly, you know, after a couple shows, like you get into this groove, it's almost like every time I go on tour, I kind of just have to like prove to myself that I'm going to be able to, to do it again, you know? Um, and then once I get past that, then I can just enjoy it. And I really like that. And, uh, I, but when I was younger, I'll, I'll tell you guys a, a story actually, um, that's really going to be a testament to my mother. Um, but the first tour I ever went on, I was 18 years old. I drove to Canada. I was rehearsing with threat signal. I had gotten this gig from auditioning for YouTube. I really hardly knew any of them. And within a couple of weeks, you know, I flew to Europe with them after rehearsing for a bit and did my first ever tour in Europe. Um, sharing a drum kit it was like some oh man it was like some crappy d drum kit and we all played on it and I, we were headlining so uh man as a side note my first tour ever was headlining in europe and we were in a bus and man i thought i had made it i didn't that was my first tour and then like every tour after that was in a van for like years so <laughs> but uh yeah like it uh it was funny though, too, because like we would sound check on this kit. I would tune it up every night at, you know, at sound check. We were like the only band that really sound checked and I would tune it up and get it all set up feeling good the way I liked it. And then four other bands would play on it and then we'd get to our set and like, it'd be all shot again. I'd be like, ah. but I really enjoyed it. I had such a good time on that tour, but the first couple shows I was absolutely terrified. And I still remember you know, I played a lot of local shows growing up, but then there was a period between, uh, I don't know, age 16, 17, there was like a couple years in there right before I started touring where like, I stopped playing locally. I stopped really playing in local bands and I just focused on drums. And I, that's around when I started making YouTube videos. It's like, I realized I could use YouTube as this tool and I was like, okay, I'm just going to focus on getting better at drums and trying to put myself out there uh, using the internet and try to get a real gig. So eventually I did, right? And that's what this was. But by the time I was about to leave for Europe to go play these shows, I realized I hadn't played a show in like two years. And I really hadn't played a show at all since, uh, since what I felt like was a pretty uh, significant period in my life for improving at drums. Like I feel like those couple years at that age and the things I learned in there kind of really set the stage for everything I've done since then, you know, like that's really when I kind of came into my work ethic in full, uh, up until that point, I feel like I always played drums a lot, but I didn't necessarily have goals and objectives. And then somewhere along the way there, 
in the years leading up to that first tour, I got really into practicing and actually started structuring it and, um, you know, working on certain things specifically for a certain amount of time and then moving on to something else and, and almost kind of training in a way, um, which I mean, you know, it's not a sport, but the way I play drums is so physically demanding that you do have to kind of keep yourself in a type of physical condition. You know, I'm no LeBron James in terms of my physique, but, uh, <laughs> by a long shot, but you know, my body is still conditioned for, for what I do. And, uh, I work to keep it that way. Um, but anyway, I was so nervous. I, I, I was like, Oh my God, I haven't played a show in a couple of years. And this is going to be like a real show. I, you know, like to me, you know, being on a tour, I didn't even know what that meant yet, you know? And I, I was like, what is this going to be like? I have no idea. I've never been to Europe. I'd never even been out of the country up until then. Shout out to my mom. She let me drive to Canada alone with her car and all my drums. First time ever leaving the country, furthest trip I'd ever taken, much less taken alone. And she just, my mom believed in me, man. Like, she saw how hard I worked up until that point and she knew how, how much I loved it and how much I wanted it. And she trusted me and, uh, I will always be thankful for that. Um, but I, and this is also about her, but I, the night before our flight to Europe, I was so nervous. I called my mom from Canada and I didn't want anyone in threat signal to hear me cause I was, I thought I would be embarrassed. And, um, it's funny to say this stuff now on a podcast, but I guess it has been, you know, 10 years. So, um, I called my mother and I was just freaking out. And, uh, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm so anxious. Like I'm freaking out, you know, all that. And she talked to me off a ledge, you know, she did the exact thing, you know, that I think a parent should do, which was tell me that I could do it. And she believed in me and, that I was going to be fine and that it was all going to be great, you know, and she was right. I, I was still nervous, but, you know, I had that voice, um, you know, by a parent that loved me and cared about me and did believe in me. And uh, I'm so thankful for that. She kept me from probably having a panic attack. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I went to Europe, did that tour. It was great. Um, but even in the time that followed that, I always struggled with, um, you know, confidence and, and believing in myself. And I don't know what it is, man. You know, I think despite the fact that I, a lot of people think that I play drums like a machine, <laughs> like I'm a very feeling person. And I kind of feel like that's what gives me an edge in some ways is that like, there are just subtle things that I really can't even put into words, things that I feel when I am playing drums. Um, mentally and physically, but physically, especially the way I connect with the sticks and the drums and, you know, I, I don't know, like, I think that's why if you've ever seen me on tour, you know, my carpet is super marked. Everything's marked. I want everything to be as exact as it was the day before as possible, because the more variables there are, and there are a lot of variables with drums, I feel like it would throw me off a bit, you know, and it would mess up my vibe and, I'm sure to an extent I could go down a whole rabbit hole of that analyzing, uh, you know, how controlling that is and, and what other, uh, things that means for me. But, and in fact, to be honest, I, I have gone down those rabbit holes, but, um, 
where was I going with that? Yeah, I, I just think it, it just, it's hard to put this into words, I guess, but when I was that age, it was hard for me. And then as I got older, it, it still remained hard. I, but I would, again, I would have the confidence, but it would take me a few days, um, on tour to get into it. Um, but I, I still at different points, depending on what else I had going on in my life, I also had more anxiety or a more or a, a larger lack of confidence. And even to this day, I mean, sometimes I get that, like I was really nervous, uh, before the very first Whitechapel show I played. Um, the only time in my life that hasn't really affected me was the very first show I played with The Faceless in Mexico. Um, it was the first show I ever played with The Faceless, but it was in Mexico in the kit. My God, the kit was brutal. It was like a Pearl Forum, not even a Pearl Export. And it was like everything that I wasn't used to. It was like a 22-inch bass drum after I'd been playing on a 20 it was 12 and 13 inch rack toms and they didn't have two different size floor toms. There were two 16 by 16 inch floor toms. One was from a completely different kit, like some no brand, no name kit. And so I played, you know, 12, 13 in front of me, 16 on my left, 16 on, on my right. I tried to tune the one on my left a little bit higher, you know, so it didn't sound exactly like the, the right side floor tom. And, and I, you know, I was, so nervous but then right before we played i did my warm-up and my body felt really good and also keep in mind i had only been learning i had had like barely 10 days to learn this set to play my first show at the faceless like it all happened really fast and i don't know something came over me right before the show where it was just like well this is either going to be sick or it's going to be a nightmare and whatever happens happens and I just went out and, and it was sick. Actually, I played really well. There's actually video of that, uh, show on, on YouTube, um, somewhere. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I always remember that day, um, because it meant a lot to me at the time, especially to get that gig and then to play a show with them. And, and the accomplishment I felt from doing that really did a lot for my, uh, mental health, you know, it gave me a boost of confidence that I definitely needed. Um, but again, you know, at different times that confidence has fluctuated. Um, and I kind of think it'll always be a struggle for me. Um, in some ways I'm glad though, because I do feel like the doubt I have in myself at times pushes me to work harder and to continue and try and get better. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what I, I want to do is, is get better. And I always want to continue to get better. Um, sometimes I feel very complacent, but I think that's normal too. Um, you know, it's funny the, I remember like, I don't remember when or why, but I was really stressed out one time and I ended up talking to Matt Halpern and, uh, I think it was because I had some gig offer and I didn't know what to do. And Halpern and I ended up talking and he called me, we had a pretty long conversation and he said something to me that really stuck with me. I, I think I was saying like, man, I just don't know if I'm like good enough to, to do this, you know? And he was like, you know, Rudy, at some point you're going to have to accept that you're good enough. Even if you're not 
where you want to be. You are good enough to do this. You are good enough to have a career. There are guys out there that objectively are not as good that have careers. And uh, that always really stuck with me. Um, I try to think about, I still think about that from time to time um, and try to keep it in perspective. It's really hard for me to ever admit that like, I don't know, that's that I am quote unquote better than someone else at drums. Like I just don't see drums that way, you know? Um, it's not a competition to me. Um, but I think to some extent, you know, depending on what's going on in your life, you have to like believe that about yourself, you know, to get you through something. I don't know. Does that make sense? I hope that's coming off the right way. I don't know, guys. Maybe it doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, one thing I really immensely appreciate about LeBron James um, is that to me, the way he has handled himself, the way he speaks even to the media, it's like, it's like on some level, you know, he knows how phenomenal he is and how he is able to just turn it on and, and perform at the highest level. I mean, he just played, what was it? Game five. He was it game five. He put up in that series just now that he put up like 40 points. He's in his 17th season. He's like about to be 36 years old and he is still putting up numbers that are in his prime, you know? And I mean, the dude is just remarkable and, and to be that remarkable, but still like when he talks to other people, he makes you feel like to me anyway, I get, this is the impression I get. And some of you guys might disagree with me. And again, that's fine. But the impression I get when I listen to him is that like, he doesn't, think he's better than anyone he's just trying to do the best he can for him and to to fulfill the promises try and fulfill the promises he made to other people and to do something that is going to inspire people and that's the vibe i get i'm not sure that's the actuality but that's the vibe and it is so impressive to me and all of that aside you know uh you know that all of that side of his career aside, it's also just remarkable to me the condition that NBA players um, keep their bodies in. And it's one of those things that when I was a lot younger, I uh, I didn't appreciate as much. And I think drums actually made me appreciate it more because when I got more into recording and I started understanding how things translate and how hitting drums at a certain velocity was going to sound better under microphones. And when I started doing all that through trial and error, and I realized how much more physical I had to play to achieve the sound that I wanted. Uh, and I realized just how physical the instrument is, at least again, in the way that I want to do it, it, it made me have an even greater appreciation for, these athletes, you know, because the truth is, I really only started weight training and going to the gym at all because of drums. In my head, I thought, if I'm stronger, I'll be able to hit harder. My drums will sound more the way I want. Back then, especially, I was I was really, you know, I came up listening to these artists that had programmed drums, and I didn't know they were programmed until I was older. So I was like trying to emulate fake drum sounds, not knowing that it was barely humanly possible, you know. And uh, 
I don't know. I just came to have such an appreciation for the uh, physical ability and, and the physical training that those athletes have to put their bodies through. And, uh, you know, he's kind of like the highest tier of that. But so all that, that those are all kind of hopefully encompasses kind of uh, why I feel that LBJ is the greatest of all time. Um, but I also, you know, think uh, Michael Jordan is great and possibly greater. I don't know. I don't think anyone can objectively say one way or another. I think at the point that the two of them are at in terms of how good they are and how much they have done for uh, the sport, for the culture, everything, it's they're both so good that it's just subjective at that point. It's 100% an opinion and what what kind of stats and everything else aside from stats, you know, matters to you. And uh, so if someone says like, nah, Michael Jordan's the goat, I would just be like, yeah, cool. You know, <laughs> like I want to be really clear because I don't want to piss anyone off too much that LeBron's just the goat to me. And uh, I don't know, as odd as it sounds following his career, uh, it's, it's a good reminder for me to always keep that in check and i guess that's where i'll kind of finish things up tonight is to all you young guys out there that might be listening to this maybe you followed my work um there is a very fine line there guys you need to have you know everyone has an ego to an extent and you need some of that you need that to give you the confidence to perform you know as if you're, if you're trying to be a performer, you have to have some of that confidence can be, you know, key, but do not go too far with that. You know, if you go too far, if you have too much confidence, if you have too much of an ego, uh, it's not going to do you any favors. Um, trust me. I know I, again, I'm not naming any names, but I do know a person I know of a person, the stories I've heard of him. I mean, I know he's legitimately blacklisted from ever being signed with certain companies and that kind of thing, just because of the way he carries himself and the things he has said and unbelievable talent, but you know, his ego hasn't done him any favors and, you know, so be humble, you know, believe in yourself, but be humble. And, uh, you know, cause at the end of the day, we're all human beings, we're all here together and, uh, you know. Just try to make some dope music. Am I right, guys? Anyway, so uh, I was just thinking about all that last night. Figured I'd share it with you. Trying to think what else, anything else I'll wrap this up with. Um, let's see. I voted this week. That's cool. If you haven't, I highly, you know, if you're of age to vote, go out and vote. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's funny, man. When I was younger, I never cared about voting, but. Uh, you know, this, uh, this election's the first time to me where I'm, I'm actually, you know, a little bit terrified for what is going to happen to the country, regardless of what happens, you know, in the election, regardless of who wins. I just think the country is divided enough right now that it's, uh, I don't know. The whole thing scares me. 2020 has been, it's a weird year. I mean, all of, all of you know that obviously, but it's a scary year to me. And, uh, yeah, other cool things. Uh, I put a new order in for a new drum kit, guys. <laughs> hey, oh, 
got, got a star kit coming, Tama Star. Um, that's all I'll say for now. Uh, I don't want to, I want to want it to be a surprise, but I'm really stoked on the color and the wood and everything. I'm so excited. Oh my God. And, uh, I don't know. That's pretty much it. Otherwise for now, I'm going to sign off here. It's about one thirty in the morning. So I'm going to probably go watch an episode of South Park and go to bed. But, uh, yeah, guys, you know, just remember that. I hope that, uh, I don't know if anyone will actually like <laughs> listen to this podcast and get anything from it, but, uh, the biggest, I think, suggestion I, I have for all of you young guys is to just be humble, work hard and believe in yourself, but be humble. And that's what I want you to take away from this. And uh, if you don't know anything about sports, I definitely highly recommend you looking into, uh, you know, the history and the stories behind players like Michael Jordan and LeBron James, because they've been a huge inspiration to me. And uh, man, I just, their work ethics are uh, remarkable to me. I have so much respect. So Anyway, guys, that is all for now. Uh, if you are liking the stuff I kind of get into on this podcast so far, please uh, feel free to ask me about anything relating to stuff I've talked about or stuff you might like to hear me talking about. And uh, shoot me an email, alexrudinger at gmail.com. That's A-L-E-X-R-U-D-I-N-G-E-R <laughs> at gmail.com. And uh, feel free to share your thoughts with me and maybe I'll talk about it on a podcast. And uh, yeah. That's it for now, guys. You all have a good evening or morning or afternoon, wherever you are, and I will talk to you soon. Peace out.